On today's show, Jared Allen, what can he get better at for next year? Where does he go after his disappointing playoffs? Let's talk about it on a new episode of Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. The music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astral Radio. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Dammer with the Locked On Cast podcast. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for producing. want to tell you, too, um, about the Locked On Brown show. I mean, the Browns just had a big Sunday win. If you're interested in that, you can check out that or the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts as well. All right, Jared Allen today is going to be the focus Segment one, what he was last season. Let's unpack this a little bit. Segment two, his rebounding. I think that's an area of discussion point that we can kind of dive into. And segment three, what is Allen's role in offense as Evan Mobley grows, as his role changes? What does this look like for Allen um, and, and what he is at this point in his career? Evan, let's start with last year. I want to just put a thesis out to you. He last year, I don't think was as good as his All-Star season. I don't think that is particularly controversial. I think the playoffs, though, make it feel like a bigger drop-off than it was. And I th- I think he was honestly, like, fine. He was unspectacular. Not, I don't think, nearly as good. But I think he was still pretty good, worth the money. And the playoffs have left, like, a weird issue with what he was. I think the playoffs certainly have left a sour taste in everyone's mouth just because you saw a lot of what Jared Allen's limitations were um, just being exposed on the biggest stage just because he is pretty set in terms of just offensive potential. I don't think you can get much more out of him. But as you said, like he wasn't as good as his all-star season. I think that's a product of the environment more than anything because you're adding another all-star caliber player into the mix here. And Donovan Mitchell is obviously going to command a lot more offensive opportunities. I think he's just going to be more heliocentric to what the Cavs do on either end of the floor. And again, Jared Allen has certain limitations offensively. He's more of a robust defensive player. And in terms of just all-star worthiness, it's a little bit of a crapshoot just because players um, who score more or maybe are just more flashier on offense will certainly get easier tracks to it. And I think with the draft system and just the fact that they're kind of ignoring the aspect of positions and maybe conferences and there's only so many spots to go around that's fine but like you said like jared allen was worth every dollar for the cast because he again this depends on going forward how integral he is but like at least last season he was integral to what the Cavs did defensively because he was a lockdown presence on the interior he was able to command the paint and kind of deter opponents at the rim and also allow Evan Mobley to do just pretty much whatever Evan Mobley felt like on defense. And like, that was so vital. And like, that's where Jared Allen's just like, is worth a lot of what you pay him. And yeah, like $20 million is a lot to stomach, but like, it's not like a ton, a ton of money in terms of like the grand schemes of like what Darius Garland makes or what um, Evan Mobley will make or what Donovan Mitchell is making. Like, or will make Jared Allen is the fourth or will make rather. And also like Jared Allen is well, the and fourth what banana he makes now and, in a, and what he's going to make in like the next deal. Like it's only going to go up from a friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But like Jared Allen is the fourth banana in this situation. And he had to make a lot of sacrifices just because I think if you pencil it in, like Evan Mobley is clearly ahead of him and like your quote, quote, quote unquote, big three. I'm holding up three fingers here to quote it um, is Mitchell 
Garland and Mobley with Allen being like that all-star caliber guy who is just like on the bubble on the fringe watching but like yeah he makes you better as a team just because he's so talented as a player um but again he had to make sacrifices when Mitchell came here I think that like the 20 million thing I think is was I think where I look at him and I think about what he, he wasn't I I think the edge for him was just like a little bit different defensively. They, like if you look at the the advanced numbers, and like this is not the only way to look at this. This is not the only way for us to consider this. I'm not going to say that it's the only way, but he expect Duncan threes has expected wins and expected plus minus. So his All Star season nine point six expected wins. It's very very good for a center. Last year's nine point one. It's that's still in the top ten percent of centers in the league. That's still very good. His expected plus minus went from 4.8 when he's an all-star to plus 3.1. So still like a very effective player. Then defend- defensively, it's at 3.2 per under possessions. And his all-star season, it dropped to 1.9. The year before last year, it's only like a 0.4 drop off on the offensive. And I think defensively, whether it was physicality, whether it was just the you know, maybe just a little off in terms of the motor, I think something just was a little bit different. I can't exactly like tell you a hundred percent what the root of that is. I don't understand. Like, I don't think the scheme changed so much. Maybe Evan Mobley just got better and took on more of that response. That's maybe part of it. But I, it just, it felt like there was an edge missing with, with Al Lester that I don't think that I think was really a shine of, of what, as he was coming up in, in his all-star season. Well, I think Allen doesn't really have much of an edge to his game to begin with. That was kind of but always they, a knock the, against him that like, if you yeah. hit him hard enough, he will shrink. Yes, but I think the All-Star season, one of the, and I think coming up, one of the things that made him notable and kind of stand out was that he would try to block everything. He didn't really care if he got dunked on. And I think just some of that, like, willingness to just get kind of wrecked a little bit last year, maybe just, maybe he just lost more of those battles for whatever reason. Just, it didn't, it didn't, like, if you, when I watched it and went back and watched a couple games, some good ones, some bad ones. I di- it just like felt different, and like the stats don't like indicate that. Like he still had a good foul uh-huh. rate. He had a really it's, the block rate was exactly the same. It's it's it's, like, it's the eye the same test. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The eye test felt very different to me. I think that's a valid argument when you point it laid out that way in terms of just willingness to like go up and I don't care if I get posterized, dunked on, whatever. But at least I try to contest the shot. Like maybe there was a difference there. Maybe it was a schematic thing. I don't think the Cavs tweaked too much when it came to Mobley and Allen, because why do you want to mess with a thing that was clearly working? Um, but like in terms of like, I, I wouldn't, as we started this conversation, we we're talking about like the, the contract and Yaka Pearl just signed an extension with the Raptors. That was according to Woj, four years, 80 million. It broke down to four years, 78 million. So 19.5 million a year. Like I think Allen is in that same tier as Pirtle. I think he's a little bit better than Pirtle, but like, we're both pretty high on his potential. He's not like Bam Adebayo who signed like a mammoth contract with the Heat. And then like Mitchell Robinson is like the low end example and a guy who bullied Allen in the playoffs and he's making 15 million a year um, with the Knicks. So I think Allen is in that sweet spot financially where like, yeah, he's an all-star caliber big man. There's limitations to his game and what he can be. He provides you more defensive upside, but he's, I would say just maybe it's a product of being an all-star last season and he signs that um, contract extension. Um, maybe it's just a lot of things just like the, and maybe a good agent as well. That helps too. So 
I think he's fairly paid compared to like what the rest of the field is. And like, especially considering like big man isn't a very robust position in the NBA. I think we're seeing a resurgence with like um, Jokic and players like that that are so multifaceted. But like when you have a traditional big that is low usage, low maintenance is expected to provide you rebounding blocks and paint protection. Like Allen fits that mold perfectly. And it's hard to really see what his long-term role can be. But like you said, like the edge was certainly missing during the season. Maybe it was, some of the weirdness of the injuries he had because he had a lot of just like random flare-ups or those the knee or like the back stuff or I mean there's just like random random injuries or like even the eye thing too like Allen got beat up quite a bit in other ways and maybe it was trying to figure out how to play with that physicality all while trying to protect yourself because there are higher expectations to this team compared to last year where there were pretty much low expectations JB Bickerstaff told me that Everyone expected him to be bad, and they didn't expect maybe the season they were having right away, despite maybe believing what they were cooking. Um, but like they, they were playing with house money from almost to get uh, like Evan Mobley's rookie year, and I think maybe that's where Jared Allen played a little bit more free, and now it's with expectations heightened. How do you maintain availability? It's an interesting thought process, and I do wonder how much injuries played a factor in it. Yeah, I wonder if he did just feel beat up. I think that's like a fair question of like, did he just get warmed up? That can happen, and he's not... He is part of this class of centers in the league right now that are like seven feet and like 240 pounds. So they're not small, but they're not bulky. Like I like Nick Claxton plays. I think Nick Claxton plays with like a real like ferocity that like Allen, like it's a, a level. I just like I remember watching those two play last year and it was like one of the mm-hmm. when I was like, oh, this is different. It was like Nick Claxton just like kind of went at Allen in a way that I was like, wow, like I didn't picture that and then like someone like mark williams is a interesting young player definitely not nearly as good as your dad now but the projection for him is interesting and he's also skinny and like i just wonder if alan needs like 10 pounds of muscle just to absorb some of this stuff if his job and is to hey bang with joel and beat bang with nicole Jokic. let's put a pin in that real quick because we got to break yeah. uh ad reads and everything but like I, the weight argument is an interesting one for me because you point out a lot of players that kind of have a similar frame to alan and we can talk about that a little bit more as before we head into like the meat of segment two. All right. Coming up next, let's talk about Jared Allen's rebounding. I think the size part of this will come in there, so stay tuned for that. Today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Ibotta is an awesome app. You can get a ton of cash back and everything. If you've taken vacation, if you're planning one for the future... You can stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything returned by using Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter where you're purchasing. You can just link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of a whole run to the grocery store. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back. You can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, too, when you start with Ibotta. Includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for tying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Again, use the code LOCKED for $5 from Ibotta. All right, we're back. The rebounding question. I'm going to hit you with a number, Evan. Jared Allen sure. in the regular season, defensive rebounding percentage of 20.8. What does that mean? That means on pass on missed field goals, he was grabbing rebounds at 20, 20.8% of the time. That puts him in the upper quarter of 
big men in the league according to cleaning the glass. That's pretty standard for him over the course of the regular seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had as high as 30% in his all-star season. He was at 20.4. So very much in line. In the playoffs, that dropped to 11.6%. That is surprising. I, I do think it's I mean, that's fair just the eye test in the playoffs, like, you know? That's, the eye test the playoffs, the, the numbers track the eye test, and also just the fact that the Knicks um, carried that regular season mentality of like, hey, we're going to get as many second chance opportunities, whether it's from Randall or Robinson or even Josh Hart or shoot, even RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson got in the mix sometimes too. But like it was mostly those first three players I mentioned. And I think it's a f- interesting thing to look at in terms of percentage, because like you said, his percentage in the regular season is pretty standard fare, especially for a player his size, um, just with how tall he is, despite maybe the lack of just bulk to maybe bang down low with some of the bigger bigs in the league. But um, that's where I'm just getting at is like you see this and I, you have to wonder, is it a schematic thing for the Cavs? Like, is this something as simple as like the fundamentals of just boxing out on possessions and ensuring like you don't allow these second chance opportunities? Like, it, it's such an interesting question because when the Cavs played the Knicks in the regular season or when they played them leading up to the playoffs, like the question kind of was like uh, through the players or the coaching or just JB Bickerstaff whenever he spoke and is how do you limit those second chance opportunities? And they're like, I don't know. The Knicks are just like otherworldly good at it. And I think it just goes hand in hand maybe with just the fact that when it comes to Jared Allen and physicality, that's a combination that's like oil and water. It doesn't mix very well. And Allen kind of got sucker punched by Robinson and Randall. And then there was a bit of just a trickle down effect because his percentage was pretty standard. And like you more than have that in the playoffs. And like, that's mildly concerning, especially because like Evan Mobley's not a guy who's trying to get 10, 15 rebounds a night because he's doing so much other stuff on defense and just also offense as well. But you really need to be Allen. You, you really have to help let Allen be the foundation that you're kind of building this house upon or else like it's just going to fall apart. And we saw it fall apart against the Knicks. Do you when you when I say Jared Allen, do you like do you consider him like a plus plus rebounder, a plus rebounder, just a fine rebounder? Like where do you kind of rate him out in that specific capacity? I I say he's average. I mean, like like you said, his percentages pass out to just like average with like what you expect from a a, a big man playing in your starting five and getting heavy minutes and. I would say maybe slightly above average, but it's not like he's making like these insane second chance opportunities like Donovan Mitchell did, where Mitchell just used pure athleticism to beat like multiple guys, get an offensive board. But I think Allen is maybe slightly above. I'll go to say slightly above average. How do you feel about it? I think he's up like firmly above average. I think he's good. I think the I think the question is like, is the playoffs just like a blip? Where like that was just like a bad matchup that we kind of knew from the regular season, and that's something you can correct, or is that just like he is that like he's mm-hmm. that could like he's so he's twenty four, be twenty five at some point this year. That's not like at a point where I feel like I can one hundred percent say this is exactly who he is, and he had and he's had he had a, his first playoff run like wasn't that like it was a different matchup. I can't say like I like went back and like watched all of it, but like he had a very good, um, he's had a series before in the playoffs where like his rebounding percentages were good. It was the second playoff series in Brooklyn, not the first, excuse me. It was like mm-hmm. insanely good over a four game series. I kind of just wonder if he comes back this year and like, 
it, it's like fine and like we j- and you just we see if it comes up again and and I maybe this is something specifically to track throughout the season you know when they play Philly when they play Denver when they play mm-hmm. the Knicks again on Halloween and then on November yeah. 1st like all these games where you expect there to maybe be some issues I think maybe this is something that here on the show we should track it talk about it on a packet in that specific context so that's that's part of the tricky thing is like it's a five game sample you have for Jared Allen's rebounding numbers in the postseason just most recently for the Cavs and you can use that example the Brooklyn game we talked about it a while back where like yeah the rebounding numbers were a bit of or quite a bit of a concern and like that that series for Brooklyn where I believe it went six or seven games they lost in the first round but you saw like Jared Allen playing with a ton of energy and he was really crashing the glass but like it was kind of a product of the situation. Like he was limited scoring wise and it was Karis LeVert who's trying to carry that load for that Brooklyn team offensively. And I think time and just getting beat up over those years has certainly made a difference, but yeah, I think it's a number worth watching. And I think a lot of just the the concerns about rebounding, I think it's going to be a lot of outside noise, especially when they play the Knicks on Halloween. Like, Oh, are we going to see Jared Allen uh, get scared by Mitch Robinson and uh, Julius Randall again? Or are we going to see, Jared Allen, like, step up to the task and be a pretty solid player uh, like that we know he can be. And I think, like you said, like, it's worth monitoring maybe against, like, teams that play bigger to begin with, New York as well. Um, but I think the numbers will regress back to the mean or at least improve back to the mean so that we're not like, oh, my God, Jared Allen can't grab a rebound anymore. Like, it's not going to be like Jaron Jackson Jr. for Team USA kind of situation. Like, I think he'll be just fine <laughs> when the regular season begins. And I'm just more curious to see, if, like, are there internal adjustments the Cavs make? Do they maybe ask Evan Moley to crash the glass a little bit more and just kind of form, like, a wall, as Stan Van Gundy would say, to prevent those second-chance opportunities? But I, I don't know. Like, it's just – it's such a weird thing because it's the eye test and the numbers back it, and – the Cavs didn't really have like a concrete answer when they were pressed on it. And maybe that was strategy on their part, but either way, like it can be a bit of a quiet concern, at least, especially when the postseason happens. Cause if they come out flat again, like, Oh, okay. Well, it's same, same, same as last year. Uh, they're perfectly fine in these certain margins. And then as soon as the, po- the lights get bright, like things just kind of crumble when they get sucker punched. The only thing I'll, I think to add to this is, you, when you add George Niang, when Dean Wade is not a plus, really, I think, a plus rebounder, when Struess mm-hmm. isn't going to contribute in that way, when Evan Mobley still has a lot of growth to go in that way, this is kind of on yeah. Allen to be someone who's going to gobble up rebounds this year. And, and how that goes for him and how that works, I think, will tell us a lot just about Cleveland's ability to end possession. Their defense is going to be really good, the, the, but you're giving teams easy looks back at you and cutting into your wins and cutting into your success when that happens. And it's going to be a lot on Allen mm-hmm. and Mobley as well. But in this specific conversation, for this, the purposes of this conversation, Allen to kind of end some at, all right, coming up next, let's talk about his offense. Can he grow at all? And, and where was he last year as an offensive player? And how could that change? We'll talk about that coming up. Let's finish talking about Jared Allen's offense. His numbers, again, here, very consistent. The drop-off again in the playoffs, he was 73% at the rim in the playoffs, 75 in the regular season, 49% on short mid-range shots in the regular season, 33% in the playoffs. He was actually better on short mid-range shots last year than he was the year before winning the All-Star team. Was a little less efficient at the rim, but not a crazy amount. Where I where I kind of wonder, what, what I, where, whereas I think like the rebounding stuff might get better, 
you know, do you remember Evan when they got him and Kobe Altman talked about wanting to maybe like have him play at the elbow and do some DHOs and stuff? I don't think that's a thing that we should expect to see anymore. If it was going to happen, I kind of think it would have happened by this point. Yeah, it would have happened by now, especially when Evan, it was such a weird situation when Jared Allen came to Cleveland because he was backing up Andre Drummond for a hot second. But like when he started (sighs) starting for the Cavs. Um, yeah, you're like, those are your opportunities because you're, you're kind of pillars, quote unquote, are Garland and Allen going forward. Sure. There's like the mix of Colin Sexton, uh, Isaac Okoro and other guys just kind of in there now, but like, you're looking ahead, like, yeah, there's not a lot of opportunities and sure. Maybe the Nets try to explore that. That's maybe the luxury of having a younger player who's kind of figure out who he is, or maybe having a coaching staff figure out what a young player is. But I feel like just because of the advent of Donovan Mitchell and Evan Mobley, who has just like he's oozing with offensive potential, like it's really hard to say, okay, Jarrett, how can we integrate you more into the offense? Because he's already so low maintenance and like he already has so many like plus attributes that you can don't you can maybe just you obviously prioritize the development, but you don't have to focus that much in it. More so you focus on the key aspects that can just kind of lead to winning because the Cavs have to flip that switch now where yeah, we're still developing these young this young cast of players, but like we're really focused on winning and making the playoffs. So yeah, like the DHO stuff probably isn't going to happen. I mean, I'd be surprised. Is Saint Ditto for him becoming like a three point shooter? Like he's not going to be a stretch four as some people may hope he could be, but it's more so just like you explore the stuff with Mobley. You try to maybe figure out the fit between Mobley and Allen long term. Just if he Mobley is a center long term, but. It, there's a lot of just interesting ways this can zig and zag, but offensively, you're not really looking at that um, going forward, and you're maybe focusing on, okay, what are the core attributes that we can improve and just like zero in and laser focus on so that we know Jared Allen like is has a full we have a full understanding of what he can provide us on offense. I mean, all the all the reps that Jared Allen could get as far as development should be going to Evan Mobley. That's just that's the that's the whole yeah. question. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Like, that's that's all you really can do. Um, it's just like, how do you develop Evan Mobley to be that player? Like, the Cavs flirted the idea of Mobley, like, leading fast-break scenarios, being, like, the primary playmaker on offense. And, like, yeah, you see that big-to-big passing where maybe Mobley's at the top of the key or at the top of the arc and Allen's streaking to the basket or they run, like, a pseudo pick and roll. Like, yeah, explore more of that and unlock Evan Mobley as a playmaker and just let Jerry Allen be the benefactor of one, either a lot of spacing around him, either if Mobley becomes a shooter or just with Garland and Mitchell naturally, and he gets those second chance opportunities and just more opportunities at the basket just because there's the, the floor is more open or play to his strength as like a pick and roll big. And if you're able to let your big man and Evan Mobley just be the primary ball handler and like you can become more multifaceted in that, like there's a lot of fun wrinkles you could do with like Allen just being the guy who streaks to the big and letting Garland and then Mitchell play off the ball and maybe be shooters that can run to the top of the key or into the pocket just based on how the defense collapses on Allen and Mobley. Like there's a lot of fun ways you could explore that. And yeah, I agree. Like you, you want to invest those assets and just time more than anything into developing Mobley as a passer and yeah, again, just refining like maybe what Allen is best at and also what is he best at in terms of the grand scheme of being like the fourth option on offense in a starting lineup. So we're we're if we're gonna end this, we'll do a another Allen season preview of some kind when we get close, kind of look at some superlatives, look at some numbers, maybe kind of do it numbers based. But Evan, when I th- when you when I say Jared Allen twenty twenty through twenty four season, what it what are what's the biggest thing you're looking for for him? 
Uh, just more than anything, how does he handle physicality? Because the Cavs are a team that like beats their chest on being, oh, we're this tough, gritty, junkyard dog team who's willing to grind. Like we've seen them lose ugly. We've seen them or win ugly. We've seen them win pretty. Like we've seen a lot of different ways for them to work it out. And like the Cavs are a team that is built for success and built for success now. And what adjustments does the coaching staff make to uh empower Allen a little bit but I, i'm just really going to be like many others just kind of focus on the rebounding stuff because like you brought up a valid point in the second segment like it's the knicks uh, i think milwaukee certainly is in that conversation it's philadelphia it's um denver like miami's going to be a tricky match just because they have kevin love and bam out of bio and kevin love just has a nose for getting that kind of stuff like there's a lot of teams maybe even in oklahoma city who's like a weirdly just massive team like if chet is healthy and actually is able to like play despite like his super freakishly small frame like there's some interesting stuff that the Cavs would have to face and i, I wonder how alan responds to it on top of just the Cavs still doing this figuring out process process of, okay, how does this offense flow with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell leading the show? Like, who is the number one? Who's the number two, three, four? I think Allen is the clear four. It's just figuring out who the one through three is so there's a little bit more harmony on either end of the floor. Yeah, I am expecting something of a return to normalcy for him. And we'll st- it's, it's kind of the theme for me with the team as a whole in some ways, but let's see what the playoffs look like and who they play. And maybe that's not fair. That's maybe kind of a cop-out answer, but... I think it's fair. <laughs> I want to see what he looks like in that environment again. And look, if I do, I probably will put a little more weight on the Knicks games and some of these other teams with really good rebounders and really good rebounding rates that get offensive rebounds. Like when they play Utah and Utah's out here running lineups of Walker, Kessler, oh. Larry Marketing, and John Collins. Like I want yeah, that's U- a Utah's, lot of, uh, that's a good team to mention too. But it's like the, the Cavs are gonna have they're gonna have to do it. When they play Minnesota and it's Gobert and Towns or whatever you want to say about those two guys, they're probably gonna get a lot of rebounds. Allen's job mm-hmm. on this team is gonna be get rebounds and prevent teams from getting misses because Evan Mobley needs to do other stuff. It's going to be a lot on Allen, and I am fascinated to see what this all looks like. All right, that's going to be it for this episode of Lockdown Cavs. Back tomorrow talking about Darius Garland. Tune in for that, please. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing. Have a great Monday, everybody. <laughs>